Happy Friday, guys. Welcome to episode 52 of Let's Talk Dubs. On today's podcast, I've got 10 Foot Doug live and direct coming to you from San Diego, California. 10 Foot Doug's got a 55 barn door. You've seen him for years in the VW scene, and now you get to sit back and relax and listen to some of his stories. Pull up around the VW campfire and hear some really good stories that start way back in the 80s and go down to present day. A lot of bus stuff, some bug stuff. Some stuff about easy off oven cleaner, some crazy stuff. But so before we jump into this podcast, wanted to bring Pete on real quick to talk about his raffle. Friday's the last day to purchase tickets for the raffle. If you're out there in VW land and you're looking for a completely brand new chassis for your car, you can enter a raffle to win a pro-built chassis. Let's take a listen to Pete, what he's got going on. And then right after that, we'll jump into 10-foot Doug and some real good VW stories later. So I wanted to remind you guys that uh, Pete over at Aircold is giving away a pro-built chassis, and I wanted to grab Pete for a few minutes and get him on. He's a friend of the podcast. wanted to get him on to let any of you guys that are out there that are looking for a full chance to win a brand-new chassis, professionally built, pro-built chassis from Aircold. I've got Pete on here real quick. Pete, appreciate you coming back on here. Give us a quick rundown of the details. And I know the raffle uh, purchasing tickets is the last day. So if you're hearing this podcast today, Today's the last day you can purchase tickets at Air. Uh, where, where do they purchase tickets at, Pete? Uh, they can p- purchase it on our website, aircool.com. It'll be the right in the center of the website. It'll say, get your chance to win a, tick- a chassis here. Um, yeah, just click it, and you can read all the terms, conditions, purchase as many tickets you want, you know, and uh, Christmas morning, we're going to give it away. And what what are the details on this chassis? Well, we're at the platform's a 67 uh, pan that we've narrowed, um, we've converted to IRS, we've done adjustable shocks front and rear, performance uh, transaxle, 17-inch uh, smoothies, uh, powder-coated everything, uh, black mamba shifter, uh, pretty much the best of everything uh, that we could throw at it, all stainless hard line. You know, it's a perfect platform. It's, it's set up for fuel injection. It, it, she, she looks good too. So she's going to perform and she's going to look good. Yeah, I've seen I've seen the pictures on your website. So I just wanted to uh, give you a shout out and get some people in there last minute if they wanted to get a chance to win this chassis. Uh, they go to uh, aircool.com. Yep. So go to aircool.com. Yep, and the homepage, it'll be the first thing you, you see. But, uh, just remember, guys, if you're looking to win a chassis for your project out there, this thing is built to the hilt and ready to roll. Uh, look on his website for some of the details. Once again, aircool.com, and check out Pete over there with that chassis, man. Pete, thanks again, brother, and good luck on the raffle. Thanks, Bill. A Volkswagen is a nice station wagon to have Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Doves. It's me, Bill T, and I'm back, and we've got some, uh, this is for my bus people out there. So on today's podcast, I've got Doug Gaylord. You may know him more professionally as his moniker on Instagram and how he's known on the street scene as 10-Foot Doug. Uh, Doug's been in the VW scene for about 30 years, uh, starting off with some Beatles back in the day, but now, most importantly, he's got his 55 Samba that he has at pretty much all the VW shows, and I'm sure you guys have seen them in little snippets and little cutouts in VW, in, in Hot VW's magazine where it says, here's 10-foot Doug staring at the wall, 10-foot Doug buying this part, 10-foot Doug's bus. So, <laughs> Doug, welcome to the podcast. 
Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Hey, man. So, um, you know, you and I kind of, we, we've been crossing paths for the past couple of years, you know, see each other all the time at Octo and whatever, but the, the, the beauty of the podcast is now I have an excuse to grab somebody, sit them down, and get to hear their story. And so uh, I've been wanting to get you on here for a little bit, and uh, today's the day. So uh, as we start this the whole time, you know, you're heavily involved in the bus scene, um, and we're going to talk about that. But the first thing we always do here on Let's Talk Dubs is, I, I asked you straight straight up, what is your VW story, and how did you get into Volkswagens? I got into Volkswagens. My first introduction to Volkswagens was in the fifth grade. I was uh, the media student in charge of showing films for the school, and I would set up the projectors, and one of, a bunch of the films that we used to show to the school were Herbie films. And that was my first introduction. And then after that, uh, I had my brother's older friends had Volkswagen. And I got my first Volkswagen in 87, which I still have. It's a 57 oval window ragtop. Wow. I know your buses are pretty, uh, your, your bus is pretty stock. Um, you're kind of a stock guy, but I know that, uh, Maybe a lot, a lot of people have seen on the internet, and maybe they're not making the connection, but over the years, there's been this infamous picture of this barn door roadster. Yeah, we what, did that. Why yeah. don't you give, give our, our, uh, our audience the explanation behind and how you're connected to the barn door roadster? Well, so back in the day, we used to you know, buy, sell, trade, flip cars. And we used to cut up a lot of cars. They were worth more in parts than they were as a rusty shell. And we would, you know, like I know you've talked about, you would Thursday morning, you'd get the trader right. and you'd look through trader, you know, and deluxe buses were $3,500. Well, one of the, one of the ads, the guy had two 1960 panel vans for sale and they were in there for a couple of weeks and no one bought them. And I called the guy and, we talked to him, and I said, hey, um, he wanted $800 for both of them. And I said, hey, we don't want both, but we want one. Would you take $50 for one of them? And the guy's like, no. He's like, no, I won't. And then he calls us back, and he goes, you know what? You can have one for free. Just come get it. And I was like, okay, great. So we brought him a 12-pack of Budweiser, and we, we get a trailer. And I think we were using two-bit tow at the time. Yeah, and we we bought we got this bus free, and there was a huge hole cut in the roof. All the you know it was missing doors, and it was it had windows cut in the side for camper ones. So it was basically a shell that we got for free. And we were like, hey, the roof is just trashed. You know, there's a huge hole in it. So we're like, let's just cut the roof off. And you know, we had seen you know the hot VWs and the VW trends. They had a couple of those chop top buses where they chop the roof off and so we were like yeah let's do that and so we cut the roof off and we made fender skirts and we covered up all the holes with mylar tape and we took house paint you know from whatever sears and got house paint and rolled it on lowered it just took the springs out you know it was just it was horrible and it's still around right and so we took it to the we took it to one of the auto shows, one of the early auto shows, and and people just tripped out because one of our friends, uh, Mark Lafriere, who uh, donated the deck lid from it, and so we cut it out and we we 
put some uh, plywood to cover up the back to make the deck height higher. Right. And, you know, and you can tell there's a lot, there's no bungalow parts on it except for the deck lid. Right. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of people don't know the, the specifics. And so people ask us, we're like, well, what is this? I'm like, oh, it's a barn door. It was, had all those little stupid window holes on it. But, you know, we didn't have the glass, so we just cut the roof off. And people flipped out. And they called us the sons of Satan. The, the people on the Sambo went crazy. And so we just ran with it. We're like, yeah, great. But it was a 60 panel. It was going to the dump. You know, it was going to get trashed. And oh, yeah. We just made we just made something fun out of it. And it was great. We, took, we drove that thing to Ensenada. We drove it to all the shows in Southern California. It was it was. It was fun. It was a blast. You know, it's one of those vehicles that, like, like you see it, and first there's the shock factor. You know, you can first think, like, why? But, you know, what what year is this year doing that? Is this in uh, this is in early 2000s, or is this in the 90s when you're riding this uh, the Roadster bus? Oh, God, that's a good question. It has to be in the 90s. And you in, know, it has, like, fiberglass bumpers and... Yeah, because in the 90s, buses weren't what, they weren't, sought, like, the bus people were, like, most of the bus people were, like, super stock bus people. So anybody modifying a bus was really kind of the guy getting the, the raised eyebrow from the bus click until later in the, you know, late 90s, buses started getting cool. Then you started seeing, you know, Billy Shore's double ragtop 13 window and a bunch of other buses out there that started getting customized and so that you know usually the custom crowd really didn't mess with the buses very much you know they were, they were far few and far between so seeing this thing back then was like a full-blown shocker and then and then it becomes this thing of folklore you know where it's like oh you remember that that barn door you know and then as people start to unfold the story you know they realize okay maybe it wasn't a barn door but it did have a barn door deck lid but i mean it's those are some of the stories that are just super cool from back in the day you know, and so we talked about you got into your first car was a 57 ragtop. Now, is that car a stock car? Or is it custom? No, it's custom. It's lowered. It's turquoise, white floor pan, you know, fully detailed, like show car type thing. That I, I went to school for auto body back in 1988, 89, 90. I went to school for auto body. Uh-huh. And so I did that car as my, as my project. And I worked in a body shop, paint, body, welding, writing estimates. I did everything. And so back then it was, you know, it was the full Hawaiian look with the white rubber. Now, I didn't do the white rubber because I knew, you know, it started to change color. But right. I still have, but it's turquoise. You know, it's an original paint, black paint, oval with original interior. It was a little rusty, but not bad. And I got that for my 18th birthday when I was 17. My dad bought it for me for $700. <laughs> yeah, those are like, the, my, I mean, my first bug was a 62 was a 62 Beetle, and I paid $200 for it, and it was a driver, you know. Um, but it's like back in the day, you know, you could people were buying and selling buses for, you know, three four hundred bucks. Uh, I would walk away from a bus if it was fifteen hundred dollars. Like Psh, that guy's crazy. You know, those are that's just too much money. But it's it's funny how times changed over the years and how things have just skyrocketed. So, how do you make 
because you're you're in the same same time I am, and and there's a leap that you make to the bus guys. You know what I mean? And, and it seems like you kind of got there a little bit early buying this buying the bus and then hot rodding the panel. What's your What's your next bus after that? And how do we? Well, yeah. So so I have this '57, and it's in the body shop, and it's you know it's a long drawn out project, which now I'm averse to, you know, because it takes so long you take it apart. So I bought um, about a '68 convertible Beetle, and it was a Royal King's Red '68 Beetle. It needed full restoration, so I bought that. And I painted it, I did the interior, uh, I did everything, I did, cleaned it all up really nice. And I bought it for, like, I don't know, like $1,000, and I sold it for like $3,500. <laughs> and that was, in from, that was probably in 88, yeah. 89. And then right around 89, and then I was always friends with the older guys. And I was like, hey, I want a bus, I want a bus, I want a bus. And, you know, my older friends were like, hey, we found your bus. It's in... It's in South Dakota. We're going to go pick it up. And I'm like, sweet. I want it. And they're like, well, you haven't even seen it. I'm like, I don't care. You guys know what it is. And so they found an all-original 1960-23 window that had been off the road since 72. And they brought it back, and they sold it to me. So I was the second registered owner, the third legal owner, I guess you'd say. Oh, wow. Of this 1960s. It was all original interior, all original headliner, and it had been painted with, uh, like, a tractor paint, red, it was dark red. You know, they suddenly tried to update it to the later style 60s uh, deluxe color. And so I I bought that for $1,200, and I put an engine in it, put a transmission in it, and I drove it straight from Minnesota. I was in Minnesota at the time. I drove it straight from Minnesota to L.A., 19 years old, with no cares, just like, yeah, I'm going to go to California. <laughs> right, you just hop in like, I checked the oil, it's got air in the tires, we're yeah. going to California. <laughs> yeah, basically that's what it was. <laughs> because I was like, hey, I want to go to California shows. I want to go out there, and I want to go to the shows. And so I, so I drove out there, and it was awesome. I spent a month in California, and I was like, I'm moving here, you know? Oh, wow. And... Uh, so I drove home after a month in California, blew the brakes, trying to go to the Johnny Carson show. And then I had to redo the brakes out there. I drove back and I, in Montana, I cracked the case, drove to Nebraska, took the engine out, replaced the old oil cooler seals and everything. And then I drove from Nebraska to Iowa on 22 quarts of oil. <laughs> and I finally... I finally spun a main bearing or spun a bearing in uh, in Iowa, and then towed it home back to Minnesota, and then it sat in a the top of a barn for through the whole '90s. And then I finally went back and I picked it up and I brought it back out. and I still have that. Oh wow! So I have my first bus and I have my first car, my first Beetle, my first bus. Wow! On that sixty twenty three window. Uh-huh. that I have, I still have, and it was painted with, like, tractor paint. Uh-huh. Well, back in, the, back in the 90s, uh, I was driving, I would drive it to all the shows, and one day I was leaving a classic at Irvine Meadows, and this hippie comes up to me, 
and he's wearing no no lie, you know, he's like the typical white hippie, long, you know, right. with the tie dye on and everything. And the guy comes running over to me, and goes, "Oh my god, I love your boss, I love your boss." And I was like, "Yeah, thank you, that's what I lie." He's like, "Oh my god," he goes, "It's original paint. There's original paint underneath it." I'm like, "Yeah, but, you know, I work for the body shop, and I, I." You know, I, I tried enamel reducer and lacquer thinner and stripper, and I, it just nothing touches it. And he goes, dude, he's like, go to this drugstore and get easy off oven cleaner, extra strength, the heavy-duty stuff. He goes, it has to be the heavy-duty stuff. And he goes, and spray that on there. It'll take all this off, and you'll have all the original paint. And I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, okay, dude, I'm going to take oven cleaner to my box, right? Right. I'm like, okay, whatever. So then, of course, one day I was I was at the drugstore, and I'm like walking around with fluorescent lights, and I look over, and I see <laughs> easy oven cleaner staring me right in the face. And I was like, oh, my God. So I bought a can, tried it down low on the rocker, and what do you know? It peeled off all the paint, and it didn't touch the original paint. And that started the craze of taking off easy off and cleaning buses on the Samba. That was my bus. I stripped the entire bus with 20 cans of easy off. Yeah. And, and that was, awesome. that's what, that's what, that's what started that craze of all those people stripping buses. So, so I, so I drove that 60. Everywhere from Ensenada to San Francisco. I drove it to every single show through the late 90s, mid-90s, late 90s, to all through the 2000s. I drove it to every show. I sold parts out of it. I camped out of it. I drove it to everywhere. And so and when, when you start getting into like selling parts and stuff, so, you, so now that you're in the bus thing, are you starting to get into buying and selling parts and, and like, making it really getting deep into the hobby? Well, yeah. So I would I would um, bring truckloads and trailer fulls of uh, parts from Minnesota to Pomona and all the shows, and I would sell. That's how I paid for myself to go to through college. I would sell parts at Pomona. I went to every single Pomona all through the 90s for like 15 years, and I would, I, I, would, I would leave Pomona, and my pockets would be just filled with cash. I just couldn't believe how much cash I had back then. And it was like, to me, it was like all the money in the world. And it might have been like two or three grand I'd make in like, I don't know, six hours. It was just, it was just mind-boggling to me. So I did that. I did that for years. I still have tons of parts left over. So but that's you, how I got into that. And, and, but you're over there in Minnesota just stripping buses because you go to California and see like, man, those these parts are going for a ton of money. You know, I should probably, uh, I should probably start stripping these buses that are just wasting away in Minnesota and, and making some money here. Oh my God! You, you can't even imagine how many buses and cars I stripped in Minnesota. Nobody wanted Volkswagens in Minnesota. They would just give you the parts. You would you would go there, and you know, there's a funny stories. I would go there to these junkyards, and I had this mentor that taught me a lot of stuff that helped me build my first engine back in eighty. 88 and we would go into the junkyard and I would carry the toolbox and I would carry the five gallon pail to carry the parts in and I would stand over in the corner and I would act kind of slow let's say (laughs) 
and he would do all the talking and they would feel bad for us. And they would basically just look at our bucket and be like, well, give us $10. So the whole bucket full of stuff. And we would, see, we would strip so many cars. It was crazy. I would go in the junkyard with a hand hacksaw, little tiny hacksaw. And I would cut roofs off, sunroof sections off. I must have cut off, I don't know, 10 sunroof sections. And I would bring them to California and sell them for like three, three to 500 bucks. And I would get, I would cut them with the hacksaw through the A pillar, the B pillar, and the C pillar. And that, when I couldn't cut anymore, you know, the A and B pillar was two seconds. Right. Well, when we get to the back, to the window, you just take a sledgehammer and smash the body until the hacksaw would go another inch. Uh-huh. Then you smash the body there. You could cut off a roof in like 15 minutes easily. Put it over your shoulder and then take it out to the truck and throw it in the back of the truck. Wow. That was, Different time. It was great. It was yeah, so and they were just out there for miles, huh? Just like uh, just just this huge untapped resource of uh, of these buses. Yeah, I would go to I would go to uh, Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, and there was so much stuff out there. I mean, bubble tail like buses with no floors in them. Oh, I mean, they were everywhere. I mean, yeah. they were everywhere. There were buses everywhere. There was a, there was a junkyard where the guy had. 30 Volkswagens and buses, and he would use them as a fence. You know, everyone used them as sheds. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's nuts, man. It's like, especially in the Midwest where it wasn't really the hot ticket, and buses were also a little bit of an offshoot. And then people just saw these buses as like these rolling cargo storage containers. You know, I mean, a lot of them. In the in the in in the Midwest and in Europe and all that stuff, you see them all the time where they're in Switzerland. Like, oh yeah, this was they use it as a shed for you know, fifty years. That's insane. Everyone, every junk, every junkyard used their buses as sheds. So you'd get there, it would be full of engines or drums or just junk. You know, just trash cans. They would just use them as trash cans. It was funny. It was. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was, that's nuts. And so during this time that you're doing all this, you're starting to accumulate a wealth of knowledge having to do specifically with buses. Oh yeah, yeah. Because you know you're pulling off these parts, and you have to know what they go to. You know, so I would bring them to I would bring them to Pomona, and I would sell them. And people would ask, "Hey, I need a, you know, the handle for a sixty bus, you know, interior." I'm like, "Oh, well, that's the round style, or you know, that's right. this style, or that one." So you, yeah, I, I learned, I learned about all of them. And then, I mean, what was funny is. Probably wasn't until, at least I would think, being outside of the bus circle and and being a casual observer of buses to the naked eye, they're all like, to the, the average, you know, enthusiast that's not super hardcore into them, they're all roughly the same. You've got your, you know, your barn door and then you've got your later, your later models after the barn doors. But the reality is if you go through some of the books that list the changes, I mean, year by year, they did 15 to 50 changes you know, year by year on the buses. Oh, there's a lot of detail changes, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. You know, it's another thing, too. I, I used to go down to Texas, too, to uh, NS Texas, to the Texas Motorplex, and we'd stop at Wilson. Uh, Wilson's was one of the largest Volkswagen junkyards. It was in Oklahoma. And they had, it was amazing how many Volkswagens they had. And you know what they had? They had that barn door 23 window that Skin used to own, oh, and really? I think it's getting restored. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I have, I have pictures of that in the junkyard, 
and they wanted $700 for that barn door 23. And, and I said, no way, I'll give you $200 for it. And, and the guy goes, the, the Wilson guy, he was like, no, the least I would take is 500 for it. And it was a complete, you know, barn door 23 shell <laughs> for 500 bucks. And what, what year is this when you're doing this negotiation? That was probably 88, 89, summer 88, 89. Yeah, it's so funny oh, because, God. you know, if we knew what we knew today, man, somebody would just loaded their oh. yard up with those things and uh, retired by now because, I mean, those things have, I mean, we've seen them go now. We've seen some of these buses go like, I mean, it's all, they're all over the Sama that these carcasses, especially barn door carcasses are going for, you know, 70, 60, 70,000 bucks for something that's a project, you know, just because everybody's like, oh, this one's a, you know, it's a 54, but it's, it has, it's the only one with this option. Or, I mean, I've seen even people get it crazy enough to, well, <laughs> at the last Sama, there was like, hey, there's this Halloween bus. I'm like, what does that mean? Oh, it was made on Halloween. Like that doesn't make it worth yeah. any more. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But, yeah, but people just keep going. Uh, you know, they just, they keep finding all these little nuances to charge more and more for. And I mean, I, I can remember back in the day when I would buy some, you know, I'd buy a car for parts. I'd buy a bus for 500 bucks for parts and then just like scrap the stuff. It was, it was, it was tough because on the street scene, like nobody needed bus parts, especially here in Vegas, you know, and you'd get a bus and it was kind of like one of those things where, um, you know, if you bought it, you'd it'd be kind of tough to part it out because no one's really looking for that stuff. And I mean, I, I was driving, it was probably 91 and I was driving a 59 single cab daily with, and I used it for work. Like I drove, I, I was delivering for a tile company. So I kind of mobbed around. If they bought the tires, I'd drive my, my bus and it had a 1600 in it with reduction boxes and uh, it was primer oxide red. And, and uh, I mean, I remember, there's an outback here in Las Vegas that I delivered the tile to in my single cab. And I had two pallets of tile on the back of that thing and I'm coming down the road yeah, <laughs> and I just, and the light turns red and I'm just standing in the cab on the brakes and it won't stop. <laughs> but man, the thing was a workhorse, man. People were just shocked when I say, no, no, go ahead, load it. It'll take it. It'll take it They're like this little thing. And then they just see me fire that thing up and just go down the road. But I'm telling you, from a utilitarian standpoint, man, they were just, they were so fun to cruise around. And back in the, in 90, 91, when I'm driving that thing, everybody's just looking at me like I'm weird for driving this funky bus thing. And everybody goes, did you make that? <laughs> you know, cause they've never seen a single cab, you know, cause the, as popular as they were, it seemed like there was this time and space where they were built and everybody forgot about them and no one's hardly ever seen them. And then you get these single cabs out in the early nineties and people are just like, Whoa, what is that thing? But yeah, it's uh, I mean, the, the the whole bus scene as a whole, how it's changed, has been really amazing to me. Because at one time when you couldn't get rid of something, and now they're just you know they're they're unbelievable in the in the values of what they've gone up to, and then the attention that people have paid to them in respect to all the nuances, you know. So, um, what are some of the most, uh, in your opinion, what are some of the most underappreciated buses that are out there that you see that you might consider them being a little bit more rare, but some people might not give it the credit it should be. Uh, I would, I would say anything that was a special order, you know, Sunroof standards or Sunroof combis, you know, anything that was a special order. There was one that was in Florida. 
that one that had that mango interior, but it was a ceiling wax red bus. Yeah. Any anything that was special order is definitely the top. Um, I, I remember going to Pomona in the in the early nineties. I remember seeing a double slider panel bus. Yeah. And I thought like. Uh, that thing's kind of cool, man. It's kind of lame they put late model doors on it. <laughs> you know, because I think, I think from 64 on, you could get the slider option. You know? Yeah, yeah. And and yeah. that's just like, I mean, a double slider panel was just, it was so cool. And just seeing seeing stuff like that, you know, you'd always see these things and, and they'd be so unique that you would think um, that people like modified the buses to have those. What's some of the rarest options that you've seen on some of the buses that are out there today? You know, what's funny is you mentioned that double spider. I saw one of those in uh, in East County here in San Diego. I had one. It was a bay window, but it was a double slider panel. That was pretty rare. Um, but but rare buses, there's a lot of weird rare buses that show up. Um, I don't know. Dude. There's a lot of weird ones. I mean, that's what I like. Yeah, the, the 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 swivel seats are. You have like the flip seat, and then you have the swivel seat, and the swivel seats like the swivel seat. I think is more rare than the flip seat, and the flip seats are pretty rare as well. Yeah, well, and then they have that barn door. You know, the barn door uh, walk through. I think there's only two of those. That there's one that was the panel that Andre had, and then there is the combi that I think the combi that Mark Murs had. Yeah, but the, the walk through barn doors that was pretty rare. It's always it's always been. I, I've got a couple bus books that I use for reference that are just, you know, stuff that I bought back in the '90s that were they got way too geeky before bus people were before at least I was getting that geeky in a bus stuff. And it's like you saw so many of these different, you know, between bucket trucks and uh, you know they had a yeah. bus in there called a radar bus where it was like yeah, it, it, I mean or an ambulance yeah. Or, you know. Just crazy stuff, and and seeing some of these things that are that are out there, um, like in like in Europe, like in Europe, they have like the log trailer ones where they carry pipes or logs. Oh yeah, it's got the the additional swivel trailer. I mean, I can only imagine if you could find one of those, how rare would that thing be? Yeah, there were just there was I think two or three of them at the last Barnwood gathering in in, in Amsterdam. There's there's a few of them. It was crazy. Yeah, it's interesting how those things have survived over there in Europe because Europe is such a wet climate, you know. But in Europe, they're also used to restoring a restoring a car starting from like, you know, the front bulkhead, and then they they just add everything from there. I mean, they're they're committed to the cause. I'm I'm a little bit spoiled here in Vegas, you know. The, most of the stuff that we see is pretty dry, so when we do get it, it's pretty dry if it's been here for a while. And we don't have to do a bunch of metal work. And me, I've always been scared off by a ton of metal work because that just to me it means huge money. You know, yeah, especially when someone else has to do it for you. <laughs> no, absolutely. Well, yeah, yeah. See, listen, if you're married or have a kid, man, good luck. You're not doing any metal work. <laughs> Your kid's gonna be like, Daddy, I taste asbestos <laughs> in my mouth. Like, suck it up, son. We're building a bus. <laughs> but, yeah, here's, but, here's a grinder and a cutoff wheel. <laughs> exactly right. Use the. I told you, use the face shield. But uh, the the bus you have now. Um, what's the story on the bus that you have now? Because you've had this bus that you're driving around quite a bit now, the 55 Barn Door. You've had this one for how long? Since 2007, as I purchased it, and it took it took a year to do the deal to actually transfer the money and get the bus. And it was uh, it was for sale on the Samba. It had a really bad ad 
you know, like the one or two picture ad. And it was up in the Pacific Northwest. It was in Gresham, Oregon. And, you know, I had been looking for a Barn Door 23 since, you know, since 87, 88. And I passed on four or five of them. And finally, I was in the position where I'm not married and I don't have a kid and I don't have any bills. And I was going to sell my other bus to to pay for it. And it came up on the Samba. And it was taken apart. It was a very original car. It only had 62,000 original miles on it. And it was, uh, the previous owner had taken apart in 80, or 79 and 80. He uh-huh. bought it in 78. He bought it in 78 for $300. He gave me the receipt from the mechanic shop that he bought it from for $300 in 1978. It's all original paint, all original interior, all original everything. Really? Everything was original. It was, Unbelievable. He gave me a bunch of pictures that when he started restoration, you know, before he started, he took a bunch of pictures of it. It was just beautiful. It would have been one of the top five original paint deluxes in the world if he didn't, you know, restore it. That's another thing, too, is everyone, hey, it's got to be perfect shiny paint, guys. Well, I love shiny paint, but, you know, I also enjoy the originality, which, you know, now, like, everything else has changed. And so he took it apart and painted it, and he had gotten, uh, he had, it was in his garage and primer, and you could see that he had sprayed WD-40 in the garage or something, some type of oil, aerosol oil. Right. And when, they, when he went to paint it with his friend, he didn't wax and grease remove it before he painted it. And the whole long panel back by the vents solved it pot. So what happened was they painted it, the paint didn't stick, it bubbled up like little pimples. And it and you don't see that in many of the photos, like, you know, unless I told you, you wouldn't know that. But it it you could see a whole spray pattern on the side of the bus. And he got really distraught and he wanted to sand it down and redo it again. Yeah. Well, the bus is completely a shell. And there's no windows, no panels, nothing. It's a shell. And he was going to sand it down and redo it. Now, this is his third. He had three uh, Barn Door 23s. And wow. he was going to sand it down. He didn't sand it down. He got married, had seven kids, and didn't touch it for 27 years. So it's in boxes, in mothballs, in his garage. Moves houses, has seven kids. 27 years later, the... Oldest kid needs to go to college, and he needs college money. So he sells it on the Samba. And it was a lot. It was a lot of money. People were like, you're crazy, you're stupid, you're, you're getting ripped off. And this, like, well, this, is in two, this is in 2007 when it's for sale on the Samba? Yeah. Yeah, 2006, 2000, and I think I bought it in 2007. So, so what's it selling for back then? That was a lot of money that everybody's kind of freaking she, she about. She she wanted sixty grand for it, and I gave him fifty-five grand for it. And it was with, and and the interior and everything that that was with it was all original. Is that still the stuff that's in there now, or has it been fully? Have you fully gone through the bus? No, it's all it's all the original interior, all the original rubber mats. He ripped out the headliner, but you know all the door handles are original. The you know the key, all one key works. Both you know the three locks. So all the interior everything in that bus is unrestored. Yeah, it's all the original 
in wow. Canada. Wow, that's huge. It's, and it's what? And, and he was restoring it back to the original color that it was, sealing wax red, or, or I mean chestnut. Or, yeah. yeah that, so that, that the paint that's on there is what he did in '81. It's the it's the it's his paint. I never did. I never touched it. So that's a lot of people are like, well, why is the deck lid primer and why is the bumpers primer? Well, because it was right in the middle of the restoration. And he never finished it. I bought it as a shell with all the parts. So all the windows, all the glass, all the hardware, everything was in boxes and laid out on table. It was amazing. It was a crazy story. So I show up there. I give him half the money over the bank, and then I bring him half cash. And we drive up there straight from San Diego to Oregon. In one and a half days, we get up there. And he has the bus out in the driveway. And he couldn't even tell me how to get to his house, so I used Google Maps, and I printed it out. Well, you know, they always give you the shortest way. Well, I went through the woods. So we drove through. <laughs> like back, uh, like so, backwoods? Yeah, we drove through the backwoods to get to his place. It was just outside of um, Portland. It was in Gresham. And we drive up there. It's, we drive through snow, sleet, rain. It's foggy. We get there early in the morning because we stayed the night in the hotel close by. And he has all the parts laid out on tables and everything. And it's just, I was like, oh, my God. So the bus is in awesome shape. It has very minimal rust that he had fixed back in 80. He only fixed a couple spots, the battery tray and the two front uh, footwells, which he shouldn't have even repaired. But whatever. Yeah. The floor, the belly pan, the belly pans are all original. Still has the original primer from the factory on the whole underside of the box. So I get there, and I said, okay. And I have three pages of notes to get the the parts. And I'm like, okay, where's the driver's door handle? Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't know where it is. I'm like, okay, we're taking off two hundred fifty dollars for the door. Oh no, no, I'll find it. I'll find it. So it took uh-huh. us like five or six hours to go through everything. And I'm talking every nut, bolt, and screw was in little tiny boxes or little bags or everything. And he had everything. Wow. And and the reality is paying that much for that bus back then, which was, it's funny because in hindsight, you know, you look at it and you think like, man, I stole that. I mean, you really, you were, you were buying it at, at a, at a much lower price than the future value of that bus. And so at the time now it was laying it out, but it'd be tough to afford that bus today if you found the same bus in same condition. It's a, you know, $150,000, $200,000 bus if it's that original. Well, you know what's funny is when I when I put it, so I put it together. So I, I worked, like I said, I worked at a body shop. For me to paint it would be no big deal, but I wanted to put everything together. Mm-hmm. So the deck lid, he had never painted the deck lid. He had never painted the bumpers or he never painted the dash. So I took all the pieces and I put it together. And when I brought it out, for the first time, within the first year, somebody had offered me three times what I paid for it. Oh, you're just driving it, just, and, just assembling it and driving it? Yeah. And I kind of was like, God, <laughs> dude, that's a lot of money. I should, <laughs> yeah, I should flip it. I but, should flip it. Yeah. No, because that's the thing is, I bought it for the love of it, for the fun of it. You know, like people are so consumed with money. Yeah. And they think, oh, you know, I got to get this next bigger house or this next bigger thing. Well, I guess I did that with the bus because I, I was trading up my 6023 window for this. <laughs> and 
I bought it because I, I really enjoyed it. You know, I, I drive it to all the shows. I, I camp in it. I've driven it everywhere. And it, you know, makes me happy, makes other people happy. And so I, there's a lot bigger price on, you know, happiness than there is having an extra hundred grand around oh absolutely well you know i think especially if like if if you get something set in your head and you finally get that and there's one guy that's complained about my podcast as i always find a reason to bring up the bull run bus (laughs) but it's like you know that but when i found that bus in 92 then i went back and bought it in 2000 you know i finished it i got done i thought i'll sell it but then when a guy showed up to actually buy it i was like uh you know, uh, and I mean, I ha- I think I had that, I, I had the bull run bus before it was the bull run bus when it was just finished in 03, I had a guy at my door willing to give me $30,000 for it, which was huge money for a 6713. And I just said, you know, uh, yeah. I just can't, I just can't do it. And now, uh, you, you know, I, I've had it so long that it's like, it's like, it's part of the family now. You know, my kids have tons of memories in it, and one of my kids will end up with that thing. And unless you know something really came to pass where I just really had to move on to the thing, it's like there's there's no money that could take it from me unless I was in just a bad situation. You know what I mean? But yeah, yeah absolutely. If you hey, if you see for sale, send me a gift card. What's that? You see my bus for sale? Send me a get well card, <laughs> right? Because it's terminal. <laughs> yeah, because it's bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's 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 one of those things, and I think it's part of that. I don't know, man. Our generation, I think I'm I'm 47. I don't know how old you are, um, but I'm thinking we're pretty close in age. But I, I think yeah. it it might have to do with a little bit of that. Uh, that that Corvette summer type thing, you know what I mean? Like I just remember that movie, watching the movie when I was a kid, and I was so amazed that this guy saved the car from the crusher, and then he built it, and then he had a fight to keep it, and all this stuff. <laughs> and it's super cheesy movie. Like when you go back, it's like watching the A Team when you're an adult. You watch it and go, I sat in front of the TV for an hour for this crap. <laughs> but it's like when you're a kid, man, you see that stuff, and it's like this connection that you get not that it's just a piece of machinery but it's something you breathed life back into and got it back on the road and it creates this this sense of passion you have for your car where it's like i mean for me there's nothing i enjoy more than just mobbing down the freeway in my bus my family's in there with me my kids my you know and, and i think probably one of the days one of the days where like a tear rolled down my eye was like my son was old enough to drive so i was like yeah cool you cruise the bull run bus and I'll follow you in the carbon cab. And like, we're going down the street. And I was just like, man, this is like what, as I was building these cars and these kids are little, little kids and stuff. And I'm thinking, man, this is what it's all about. Like just, you know, building it. And then, you know, my son can appreciate it or the stuff, but you get this connection with these cars where it's like, it's hard to explain to people that aren't, that aren't car people. And, and like, you know, that, right. It's it's like a relationship because the the same thing that brings you so much joy can make you so angry at the same time. You like it when you're <laughs> you're vapor locking someone on the side of the road and you're just like losing your mind, you know. But yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just some of the best things, you know. And I'm I'm sitting here as, as we're chatting. I'm just cruising through your Instagram and just looking at a picture of you laying on your back, you know, changing the oil. Yeah. Looks like you're trying to get this thing. Uh, 
ready to pass. Uh, you know, it's just really after a tough TUV exam, our ride passed. You know, but it's like that, that was that was in Germany. That was my friend's car. That wasn't even mine. That was my friend's '51 uh, deluxe prototype. Oh man, that's a, that's a gnarly bus. But it's like that's one of the oldest bus. That's a, there's like the second oldest or the oldest. I think it's second oldest deluxe in the world. Third oldest. Yeah, it's 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 nuts, man. And I, you know, and the sad part is I have this huge appreciation for the early barn doors and stuff like that. And I just think to myself, like, geez, man, how could I? What, you know, ultimately, I'd love to find one, just get some deal deal on one. And and I was up there looking at uh, Kevin Bradburn's buses, and he's got quite a fleet now. He actually uh, owns the um, he owns the Hornbecker bus, right? And and I said, yeah. and, and and the words I used were, I said, if I own that bus, you're calling it the Bill Segrinos bus, because if if I if I if I'm the caretaker and then I shelled out the dollars to buy it, oh, you better believe there's gonna be a, there's gonna be a name change on it. But it's it you know there I'm looking at it. And it's funny I'm, I'm I'm there in his warehouse and I'm looking at, you know, he's got the Hornbecker bus and he's got the Smith family bus. The Smith family bus is restored. Hornbecker bus is like, ah. Uh, all original, unrestored. You know, the, and it, yeah. Well, the Hornbacker bus is the best in the world, but he also owns the AD bus. But going back to the Smith bus, you yeah. know, the Smith bus used to sit on the street in San Diego, and I actually went over there to try to buy the bus. It sat on the street. It used to sit outdoors in this little house over by San Diego State. Yeah, and. The grandfather gave it to the grandson, and the grandson was driving it. He was driving the Smith bus around, really? and the brakes weren't that good. So I went over there, and I talked to him. He wanted me to do the brakes on that Smith bus. And I said, yeah, I could do them, but you got to get the parts. you got to get the you know 22-millimeter barn door-only front wheel cylinders, and I'll do it. Or maybe I could rebuild them for you. And it never worked out. He took it to a dealership. Oh, come on. In San Diego. He took it to the dealership to get the brakes done in the Smith bus. And the, the head of the dealership came over to him and said, you know, we can't, we can't do your brakes. He goes, but, he goes, I'll trade you any brand new car on the lot for your bus. And the kid was like, what? No. He's like, what, are you joking? And he's like, no, I'm serious. You know, within reason, pick any brand new car off the lot and I'll trade you for it. And the kid flipped out and then it went up for sale. And I think it, he won 20 and it finally sold for 30 grand to my friend Grant. Then oh. I actually restored it, started to restore it. Wow. Very cool bus. So he didn't trade it in. He ended up selling it private party? Yeah, he sold it to one of my friends for. I think like thirty grand to Jeff Grant, oh my a gosh. local San Diego guy, bought it. Yeah, yeah, that's phenomenal. That and then, so he started the restoration. Did he collect all the history from the previous owner? Yeah, he got all the pictures. He got all the original pictures. Of it, you know, of the Coliseum, and he got all those pictures. Actually, Jeff Grant had a a really cool website about the restoration of it, and then it didn't. He didn't finish it. He there were some issues, and then Jeff sold it to Matt in Tennessee, and Tennessee, and then they actually finished it. Matt uh, Matt Devine and Mark Locker and a couple other people. I think I 
forget who painted it, um, but maybe Buddy Hale painted it. I'm, sh- I'm not sure, but they put it together over map belt, and then it went to me, and then Gene bought it in Connecticut, and then Gene sold it to what's his name, Kevin? Yeah. In in Utah, yeah. Cool bus, yeah. really cool bus, really unbelievably solid bus. Yeah, you know, and and I look at those two buses. It's like, you know, the the Hornbecker bus is substantially worth substantially more. But I was looking at going. Well, if I had it, I like the shiny one, <laughs> you know, because it's well, yeah, it's restored. And yeah. you and you look at the original. And most most buses today, if someone when someone sees one that's all original, they think it it needs restoration because quality of paints and 50 you know 54 stuff like that weren't where they are today and so like the luster on the paint certain things like that don't look like these over restored vehicles you see today so what what's your take what's your take on on some of the over restored buses and things like that that you see um you know i i like all those like I like all cars. I like the dirty ones, the rusty ones, and the over-restored ones. I love them all. Um, I like that they're bringing some of the overspray patterns underneath, you know, because there's a lot of guys that will paint the whole bottom perfectly, and then they'll paint, you know, they'll tape up all the seams. That the Smith bus, they really did the, the, the oversprays correctly. I like that, but I also like the I also like the over-restored ones. You know, I mean. Wow. I, they're just, just a different flavor. It's like, what do you want? Like, chocolate or vanilla or strawberry? Oh, I like them all. You know, uh, for me personally, I, I'm like you said, I'm a, I'm a stock guy, but I also like custom. So, uh, you know, uh, like them all. Well, I, th- I think the the appreciation is, you know, most of us get into the VW scene because of the idea or the feeling or the vibe of like the surf vibe, the Southern California early kind of deal. And that's kind of what lures us in there and they're cheap and they're affordable. And then as we get into the hobby, our tastes start to change a little bit or our appreciation for other things become really, uh, you know, really, really different than what we started out with, you know, and, and, you know, back in the day, I'd look at a barn door and be like, yeah, no thanks, man. Look at that dashboard. Who wants to yeah. drive that thing? That's looks like that's a caveman car. You know, today it's like yeah. just because of just because of the history and the simplicity. And it's like you 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 think a 67 bus can't be more simple. Well, look at a 54 and it's way more simple. And, and, yeah. and you know, yeah. the, the evolution of these things and, the you know, the, the engineering that went into them just make them so great and you know you could see that timeline from year to year and the difference that they have you know you can look at all the changes that they made from safety regulations of like having the gas tank hovering above the engine to the side and then making a rear hatch and like everything with all these improvements were like basic functionality you know a rear hatch opening to access a cargo area well barn door guys don't have that don't don't have that luxury and they love it <laughs> you know what i mean it's like you want to put luggage oh, in yeah. there people trip out yeah people trip out on that when when they, when they when i when i point out the, that there's no rear hatch people look at it and they just scratch their head I'm like well how do you get the luggage in there i'm like well you got to go around the side door and they're like oh that's not very good i'm like well, yeah folks i can figure that out <laughs> a little late yeah but you know all the improvements you know from split windows to buses and everything it all went from more visibility, greater safety, more functionality, ease of use, 
And from a collector standpoint, everybody likes the basic, the simple, the beginnings, you know, and tries to take it back further and further. But um, yeah, I, I, I've, I've grown to love a lot of the things I didn't love back in the day. And sometimes when I look at my past and some of the cars that I've had, I kind of have to take a little bit of a sigh and a gulp and just kind of say, well, you know, <laughs> if I knew today what I didn't know back, or if I knew back then what I know today, it'd be a different situation. But it's, uh, it's been so it's been so great to be involved in the VW scene and be able to partake in some of you know because I've got bugs and buses and everything but the bus the whole bus thing is just been it's it it's so funny because for, from for me it, it was a functionality thing like I I had one kid and another one on the way and I thought okay you know the wife ain't going to go with us all piling into bugs so let's see Let's get a bus, and that's more like the you know. And I kind of talk the wife in, and they're like, "Let's get this thing. I'll build this. Like the whole family can go to car shows and stuff, <laughs> you know." But well, yeah. just yeah, there's you know, it's like you say, it's a lot of there's a lot of freedom with a bus. You know, it's your home. Like I I got it because it had so much volume. You know, the whole surf history. I could put my surfboards in there. I could camp. And you could just go anywhere you wanted, you know? I mean, it was a, it was a freedom thing. And I kind of harkens back to the 60s when people would, you know, just drive cross-country in their bus. Hey, let's go to a national park. Let's go camping with the family. You know, same thing with you. Yeah. So it, there's a lot of freedom with it. I love it. No, I I, uh, I, I really... Uh... I, I love my I love my cars that I have and and you know I I've sold one or two and the one or two that I sold I kind of didn't really have the involvement like I did with the two buses that I have now and you know that makes a little bit of a difference I think sometimes but uh, you know I'm I'm always on the hunt for more projects and I just got a phone call today because on the last podcast I announced that in 2020 Let's Talk Dubs is going to do a bug builder project and it's going to be a garage built project. So we're going to look for the cleanest starting example we can and kind of, we're going to build it similar to what the average guy could build at home on. Yeah. I heard that one on kind of a budget, you know, it's not, I'm hoping we find something clean enough. I don't need a pan off, but if we take a pan off, you know, we're, I'm trying to keep it to where like, it's going to be all new, all solid, but you know, a great, beginning vehicle because that's such a huge part in the hobby is finding the right starter car you know um some of the toughest things you see are people that just buy a car that's way more work than they have the patience or money for and 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 those are usually the projects that end up dying and people just kind of get bittered on the whole scene sometimes yeah i think i think a lot of people see cheap projects and have you know, visions of grandeur and, and dreams that they can, and they can, but, you know, that you, it's much better to start out with someone that's already spent a ton of time and a base, you know, a good base vehicle than it is. I'd rather pay more up front than get something cheaper that's a complete basket case any day. Well, yeah, and that's, and that's, and that's the story of your 55. It's like it was... It, it could have been if you were a perfectionist and it had to be like this and you were going to make it yours versus you looking at it and saying, let me reassemble this history. Let me put it back together and preserve what's here and enjoy it. You know what I mean? Like it, you could have took it into a, a 10-year project, a 10-year $100,000 project, and then just had zero satisfaction when you tried to enjoy it because 
you know, sometimes when you start chasing that rabbit down a hole and spending all kinds of money with this ultimate restoration, it sometimes loses the fun because you're just a wreck driving it around. You know, you don't want something to happen to it. And I don't know. That's that's funny because that's what everyone asks me. They're like, well, what are you going to paint the deck lid? And why didn't you paint it? And why didn't you do the bumpers? And why didn't you fully restore it? I'm like, well, because it kind of takes, you get super nervous about someone dinging it or scratching it or, you know, the, the little things, and you put so much time and effort into it. So, I, you know, will my bus ever get restored? Yeah, probably by the next guy, you know, the next guy that gets it can restore it. So Yeah. What, um, what's the longest trip you've taken in that bus? Um, out to out front to buses by the bridge which is a, like around a 350-mile one-way um, drive. And are so you, that's towing the, the, the trailer. And are you are, are you rocking the 36 horse in that thing? I did for the first four or five years, and it was just too, <laughs> okay. too little. All right, so, was, so you're, was, yeah, you're not insane. Yeah, because <laughs> no. I'm telling you. for a little while. Yeah, to drive that thing with a thirty-six horse, and like that's when you like you feel you don't even see the grade, and the bus starts slowing down. But so you, you're running a little bit bigger yeah. motor in there to kind of push that thing and tow some stuff down the road and and make it run with traffic today. Yeah, I just uh, I have a stock sixteen hundred dual port. It's still six volt. It it um it it runs great. It, it's uh, you know I I love that with a motor and. uh I'm going to work on getting a Porsche motor for it, but right now, just stock 1500. It's, it's great. It's, it's perfect. So your plan is to put like a, a, a 912 motor or a 356 motor, like a 1600 Porsche motor? Yeah. yeah. No, that'd be nice. I'd make that thing yeah. a nice, it would be kind of a period correct street rocket, you know? Yeah, I, I bolt right in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they both. Well, they all. When every time you talk to some guy, they're like, "Yeah, my buddy had one in high school with a Porsche motor in it." Like, okay, yeah, they all did. <laughs> like, that's, yeah. a, that's what everybody says. Well, I, I did put I did put Porsche B brakes on it, and I, I wound up writing an article for Hot VWs for it, a, yeah. a tech article, a semi tech article, not real. So tech, but uh, yeah, I'm looking at the picture of the Porsche B brakes on this. So the Porsche B brakes are those pretty much a direct bolt on. You know, the rears were completely bolt on, not one modification. The, even the parking were, was, worked perfectly. It was amazing. The fronts were a whole nightmare. Uh, a few people have, have put uh, Porsche brakes on their barn doors, but they switched the spindles. They put Porsche or Beetle, early Beetle spindle in them. Uh-huh. They have a smaller um, root diameter at the and I didn't want to do that. And I, I kept the, the barn door front spindles, and I had to make spacers, and I moved the drum to one, you know, uh, like one centimeter, and I had to move the back plates off one centimeter. And I machined, I machined my own bearing spacers, and I, you know, like the grease seals are out of a um, Toyota Celica or Suzuki Samurai. And the bearings, like the outer bearings are stock, but the inner bearings are just made up. Like I just, you know, they're like 47 millimeters and 36 millimeters. I don't know what they are, but uh, it's like, I, fronts were 
a little bit of engineering, which I did everything myself, but the rears bolt right on. So they, they, that was easy. And they work awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that, it's like those those improvements make such a huge difference, especially like bigger brakes, man, especially when you're driving that thing down the road. Um, those things seem to be under-braked. I mean, really, VWs were pretty well-engineered, but once you start putting a little bit more, that 1600 makes a big difference when you're trying to stop that thing going downhill and moving it, you know, 75 mile an hour. So, yeah, it's uh, – Oh, yeah. It, it, it's definitely for sure you've done a, a ton of work to that thing. You know what I mean? And, and the, to, uh, it's interesting talking about the brakes. The brakes, here's a tip for the barn door guys. The brakes on the barn door are the same as Super Beetle rears and Thing rears. So you can go get your $12 brakes at the Pet Boys or whatever and slam them on your barn door and you have all brand new brakes. Are you talking about the, sh- the shoes? The shoes are the same? Yeah, the shoes. Yeah, the shoes are the same. Wow, that's so. What other what other barn door tips do you have for those guys out there in men of nowhere USA oh. <laughs> doing their restorations? Uh, the, the other tip, the other tip is for the spare tire strap. There's a belt buckle. There's a buckle on there, and they're they're real close to bay window buckles. So people cut those buckles off of bay window straps and use them on their barn door because they're real close. They're you wouldn't know the difference. They're, they're pretty close. That was a, no, that, that was a good one. That's cool. Well, that's for for sure. I, you know, any tips and tricks like that, man, are are always helpful, especially when people are trying to build these things and try to figure out where everybody's getting it. You know, because it's one of those best kept secrets. I mean, with the Type Thirty Four Gia, there's a bunch of stuff that crosses over from. There's like for the outside window scrapers, like a Super Beetle convertible window scraper is the same length. Oh, nice. You know, so it's like you get the Super Beetle convertible window scraper, and it goes on the outside, you can just snip it just a little bit, but it fits, and it looks like the same one. But, you know, there was the, the cool thing about VWs, there was always a little bit of crossover here and there with some of that stuff, or if, you know, something worked, they used it. So, no, yeah. that's that's a, that's awesome. So, besides doing the bus and other stuff like that, what, uh, what other stuff are you into out there? I see that... Um, you know, you have some stories. So, so you do some writing for some of the magazines. Is that right? Some some writing and photography. Yeah, yeah. I pretty much for I've been doing photography since elementary school, and I never. I used to do my own film. I used to do my own developing. I was graphic art student of the year. I was woodshop student of the year, and I used to do a lot of photography. It's just, it was expensive, film was expensive, and so I kind of got out of it until digital came along, and my boss at work bought a digital camera, and I would just take it to all the shows, and, and I finally bought my own. So I've written for Hot VWs, and I do quite a bit of stories for Air Mighty, and then also some for Hayburner. So I've, I've contributed to all those magazines, um, either features or stories or photos or, or whatever um and it's fun it's you know it's, it's pretty cool no for sure man it's uh definitely you know I, I it becomes a lifestyle you know what starts out as like a hobby a little bit of a passion it becomes this evolving lifestyle where so many of your friends are connected through the vw scene you know 
it's it's almost like an, an alternative life that you live. Like you've got your work life, and that's like you're off work, and yeah. you got all your VW buddies. You know what I mean? And, and everybody's at different points in their life and different career paths and different everything. But you guys all, when everybody, you know, you go to buses by the bridge, man, it's all just a bunch of bus people there. You know? And yeah, every, I'm really lucky. No, absolutely. I mean, uh, listen, I think a lot of us are lucky to have those those friendships and those people that we have in our lives that we've met through this because we're really, I think the most eccentric people I've met have been through the VW hobby, you know, and it's interesting. Everybody's different background that you run into, you know, and how they got into it. I, I, I want to get Bob from wiring works on here cause I chatted with him and I've bought wiring kits from the guy forever. And I just got to chat with him for a couple seconds and I said, you know, so you got into this, how'd you get into this? Cause well, a friend of mine wanted a wiring harness, wanted to, put a wiring harness in his butt in his bug and the dealership wanted $200 for it. And he's an electrical engineer and he's like, well, we can make you one, <laughs> you know? And then there goes the, and I, I want to get him on to get his whole story, how wiring works got started and all this stuff. But he's a, he's a, an eccentric individual if you've ever sat and chatted with him. But, uh, you know, it's, it's just such a great hobby and to, to be able to be, you know, seeing the the changes of it and see things that started from you know just a hobby for somebody to into a full-blown business or a career that these guys enjoy and it's like those are the those are the lucky ones that are able to do it that can do it for work and make a living and enjoy it you know because a lot of times that's not that's not the case with people daily so i kind of go back like i said i used to sell a large at pomona pre-internet days and that was a good time but now i'd rather you know a lot of people have helped me out and i'd like to help other people out i'm very appreciative of all the friends that i have around the world it's amazing i have a lot of good friends around the world that i just i love them it's just like you know like we said yeah the cars would never get here without the people you know the people are the real you know the the real treasure of it. Well, yeah, the, the the real staple of the hobby. Now, you were breaking up a little bit in there because we're doing this via digital world today, and you were saying that you – because you've made some parts in the past, haven't you? Yeah, I used to make uh, – when I was going to school for mechanical engineering, one of my senior projects was uh, resin transfer molding of parts. So you would take a part and you would cast it in silicone, and then you would – shoot it with a uh, two-part urethane, and then you would have an exact replica down to the micron of uh, other other part. And uh-huh. so I made a bunch of barn door taillights, and I made headlights, and I made turn signals. I made all sorts of stuff for years, and I kind of got out of it. I sold a bunch of them. I took them to Europe, paid for trips to go to Europe. It was great going to Europe and selling a bunch of parts, you know, Throwing down a towel in the swap meet, it's great. And yeah. people just ran come up and buy parts from you. It's cool. Well, it and er- good. And but- did everybody believe that you made them, or was like, where are you getting these from? And like the the process is quite simple, but who's out there doing it? Who's going through the process to do it? And you, by chance, happen to be an enthusiast, and you're like, well, shoot, I'll make some. Ah, this is easy. I'll make you know. So you're, the guy next to you's making a toaster model, and you're making like. <laughs> you know, marketable, sellable things that there's an actual demand for in the market, which is super cool because especially if something doesn't exist and we can and we can make it. And and that is so crazy because that's the VW hobby. You know, it always starts with just a guy who's really into the hobby and he crosses an opportunity where he can 
you know, through his work or whatever, he can remanufacture, remake something and like just produce it. So it's out there. And, and I mean, it worked for you. It paid for trips to Europe and, and, and paid for, for those types of things and also brought more product out into, you know, to the market on certain things that were, were not available at the time. So you have any plans on making any other parts in the near future? Uh, I, don't, I don't think so. I made a lot of taillights. I made the, the barn door brake light lens, the center flat one for the early style buses. Um, and I made a ton of those. But I don't, I, I've been so busy with real work that I, I don't think I'm going to be. A lot of people ask me, too. I used to make uh, license light lenses uh-huh. for barn doors and then early buses, like the flat ones with the hello logos and the K124 four numbers on them i used to make a lot of those um but i just i'm not gonna say i got burnt out but i just i don't know i'm just uh, constantly doing stuff you know yeah it's it's a it's a it's a big difference between being in college and having some time to kill and a project to do and two birds and one stone it's a whole nother thing once you get your life up and rolling and you got more than one bus. It's like having fifty kids. So you got <laughs> there's always there's always something to do or some place to go to. Especially you're living down there in Southern California, where there's you know there's there's car shows year round and things to go to and events. And it's like we we kind of start looking at life in snapshots between like okay the next event coming up is buses by the bridge. After buses by the bridge, the next big event coming up after that is El Prado. After El Prado, you know, or, or it's going to be the winter octo. Oh, or, octo. The, yeah, the winter octo. octo and, yeah. Drag day, yeah, yeah, Octo and then, Drag Day, and yeah. and and Southerly Park is a good one in May, May first, and then there's so many shows. You know, I see these people in the Midwest and and like in Europe where they're like, okay, I'm putting this away for six months. I'm like, geez, I don't, I my bus is out every weekend. You know, I mean, I'm so lucky that I can go to the show. You know how many shows there are it's just crazy how many there are oh yeah like some some weekends there's just too many there's too many shows to go to and you got to kind of pick what you're doing you know what i mean now that they've oh so let me ask you this question what's your take on the yeah this is is the good provocative question what's your take on the whole prado week now this whole like two ten days of ten days of quit your job and go do vw stuff (laughs) <laughs> yeah, um, because everyone from Europe comes over and everyone, you know, from the whole U.S., come, you know, from the world, Japan and Asia, people, Australia, they all come that week and it's almost overload, but there's too much stuff going on. Now it's uh, bug-in is the same day as Pomona and there's the RVA show. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, bug-in and Pomona. There's the whole open houses. There's the DKP cruise night. There's, you know, Black Star starts on Wednesday and goes till Sunday. Um, there's Octo, of course, and then Prado. And it's, it's funny how that whole week, it used to be the classics week, yeah. you know, when it was, well, when it was well defined. And everyone knew their spot. And when they—that's—that's <laughs> that's funny you say that, but that's the truth. Like you know, at, at the host hotel for the classic weekend, the Vegas guys, we had our section of the parking lot because we were—we've been going 10, 10, 12 years, and it was like the section next to the tennis court. That's all the guys from Vegas, and then this section over here is is all these guys. And then you had the toy and lit show, and you had and yep. it, and, and I I missed I missed those weekends because. 
the thing I liked about it was it was so condensed. You know, everything was like yeah. right there real close. Now, now me being in Vegas, I sit here and go, okay, I'm not taking a week off for it. So I'm, I'm either going weekend A or weekend B. And then it kind of gets, it gets a little conflicting because half of my friends are going to weekend A, half are going to weekend B. And I think this, this last year I did both weekends, you know, so it was uh first weekend was, was, uh, DKP and all that stuff. And then, uh, I went to Disneyland with my family for a couple of days between or a day or so. And then family came back, we came back and then I bombed down there on Friday for the, for the El Prado weekend, you know, and it's just like, it's craziness. And the only thing, the only thing, my only complaint about El Prado, and I know those guys love it for the camping. My only complaint about it is like, it's hot, it's hot. And if I wanted to be hot, I'd stay in Vegas. <laughs> I, I love I love yeah. the California like beach scene like being that whole Irvine Newport area like Huntington Beach all that I love because my Volkswagen gets out there it runs great out there in the cool in the cool weather and plus I get to go to all the places that are not local for me you know so um, yeah it's 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 different I'm I'm not listen it is what it is and if I want to enjoy it I got to go. I can't say I'm a huge fan. It kind of bums me out all the driving and stuff because especially if you're camping out at El Prado, then it's like anywhere you want to go, it's a 50-mile drive, you know. So it just kind of makes yeah, it, it makes I, it a little, little different. I, so. it, it's too, just too much going on with all the open houses and the camping and driving, you know, driving back and forth. You know, also was the, was the Saturday before Prado – but now I think it's going to be the weekend before the Saturday weekend before. I'm not sure they haven't released the dates yet, but that's how it was last year. Yeah. That's how it was last year. And that was my decision to go last year was like, I said, okay, well I'm going to go, I'm going to do the DKP and then I'm going to go to Octo on Saturday. And then the RVA show was in the afternoon. So that was even a, a lot because it was like the RVA show was overlapping Octo and I wanted to check out both, and I was promoting Let's Talk Dub, so letting people know we're we're bringing a VW podcast and, and getting people to know, you know, the the people in the scene a little bit more intimately than what you do through like the filter of a magazine or Instagram and stuff like that. So, um, well, shoot, man. Well, you got any anything that you want to uh, shows or give some shout outs for some of your some of your boys out there that you've uh, that, that have been in the scene with you for a while? Oh yeah, dude, I have so many friends to thank. I can't. Well, I mean, I have to thank, you know, the Barno Mafia. I have to thank Earl from Cunado Wear and the Cambodians, Maurice, Ron, Cy, Dale, um, Shano, uh, Cy, a lot of my camping friends. Um, of course, all the people that help me around the world. You know, I have friends in the Netherlands, and Germany, and Belgium, and France, and uh, in Japan, and Australia. I mean, there's so many cool people out there that are, you know, living the same dream that are, you know, just having a good time and, and enjoying the Volkswagen scene. And I actually have to thank you because I have really enjoyed all your podcasts. <laughs> I really love listening to the history, the Ron Fleming, Dean Kirsten. You got to get RK on here. Oh, I'm, um, I'm chasing him all, down. <laughs> I, I mean, they're, the insight to all these different, you know, the history and stuff I love. 
um, the backstory. So and everyone loves the backstory. So I have to say, shout out to Let's Talk Dub, Bill, Vegas. Yeah. He's gonna come to San Diego. We're gonna go surfing. Well, look, man, I'm, I gotta head down there. I gotta, I gotta go. I gotta go to that that Featherly Park shows in San Diego, right? Featherly Park is no, it's up in it's up in L.A. That's a good one. May the first weekend in May. That's Corona, Corona Ryan, the Orange um, Empire. Oh, they, Orange Empire Speedo. Who? What's the show in in uh, in? There's one in in near where you're at. That's supposed to be a pretty good show to go to. Well, the Fiesta, uh, Fiesta de la Playa, that puts on oh, the uh, San Diego Air Cool. I got to give them a shout out. Um, they on an awesome show in right in Imperial Beach. It's right on the sand. It's right on the pier. It's on the boardwalk. They block off the street. That's a that's an incredible show. You have to go to that one. That was awesome. Last time I went, I went and surfed in the middle of the show. <laughs> It was an incredible show. So that's uh, Fiesta, Fiesta Del Playa. Um, that's a good show. They also brought back the Deer Park show. Uh-huh. That's the winery, Deer Park Winery. That's a good show in San Diego. There's also um, Bob Baker. I have to shout out to the Bob Baker. That's one of the longest-running shows in San Diego. Yeah, um, did they just have Bob there, Baker, or is it coming up this year? Is it a, is it a fall show, or is it a uh, springtime show? No. No, it's a springtime springtime show. Yeah, because Lee, Lee keeps telling me about that show. Tell me, I got to come out and check out that Bob Baker show. So, yeah, I definitely want to head out to to San Diego and check it out. I mean, there, listen, there's no, it's hard to go wrong at a show in in Southern California just because, especially if it's close to the beach and the weather's nice. I mean, my, one of my favorite things that I did last year was go to that the buses on the pier over there in Huntington Beach. You know, yeah, I, I missed that one. That I, was a good show. Well, it's just, it was just such a it's just such a cool venue, and I think, you know, when you go to these shows, you think to yourself like, uh, you know, I think we've we've convinced ourselves to always go to a show and look for something new and something like, oh, who's got the oldest this or the coolest that or whatever. But when you're in a venue like that, which I think is one of the reasons why people loved Fremont Street Show here, that you're not you're not preaching to the choir, you're not. The people that are talking to you are mostly not VW enthusiasts, but they're totally into your car. And there's something different about that, about talking to like non VW people about your bus and like they're they're so curious to see about it. And when I was at that show, man, it was like I thought I'm just gonna park my bus. I got the got this old bus I've been driving for the past eighteen years. I'll park this thing here and wander around and I never made it away from my bus, man. It was just like person after person after person kept coming up because it was it was just such a public venue that all the public is there and people were just loving it, loving the variety of the different buses that are there. I just love I, I love car show venues that are like that because it, it it gets people excited about the hobby. And for me, that's what I love. I love seeing the hobby grow. You know, more people that are in it, the yeah, better for all of us. Absolutely. I want to support everyone you know what i mean there's no oh i don't want this guy i don't like that guy i want to support everyone because like you said it's better for the community have as many people as possible and you know what's funny is about talking to people is whenever i drive my bus people always wave and they smile they give me thumbs up or a shock a sign and what blows me away is whenever i'm cruising of course in the slow lane <laughs> yeah. and a car goes by and there's a bunch of kids in the back seat and they all wave, and they all smile, and they all, you know, give me thumbs up. And I was like, these, how do these kids know about, you know, 
Volkswagen buses, it just brings a smile to them. I mean, it's it's wonderful. So yeah, no, yeah, more the merrier. No, it's awesome, man. Well, for sure, man. I've, I appreciate having you on here, and uh, I, I, I love getting the stories and hearing a lot of the backstory of what's going on. And make, and are you going to be out at? Uh, are you going to be out buses by the bridge? Yeah, definitely. I'm definitely. That was funny. I was planning it today. I was talking to someone today about it. I'm, yeah, that's the plan. Hopefully. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll for sure see you at buses then, because I'll be down at buses by the bridge. So I look, I look forward to hanging out with you for a little bit. And uh, man. We'll have to have you on here again. We'll uh, maybe we'll do a, a bus trivia deal, and we'll do we'll get you on here and just talk, do some maybe some year by year breakdowns of some buses, and we'll kind of we'll chop that up oh, a little bit. You know, I think you that, need to get you need to get Lind on here. He is the bus expert. Lind is knows every detail. He no, is the man. To, no, absolutely. I, I got to get Lind. I got to get Charlie Hamill. I got I got to get a lot of these guys cornered, man, and get all that knowledge because. You know, it's, everybody hears the names year after year, but nobody really knows the people, the stories, and all the stuff. And I think, you know, you 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 hear about people at afar, and you think like, um, you know, that guy, you know, what do he and I have in common? And then when you hear the story, man, there's so much overlap between all of us. How we get into the scene, and how we're influenced, and the things that kind of get us fired up about it. It's just, it's so great, man. It just it, it brings the community even even tighter together, man. So, well. Dougie, I've I've really enjoyed having you on here, man, and I look forward to seeing you at buses, and I look forward. I'm sure I'm going to see you at Octo after that. But uh, man, thanks for coming on the podcast. And uh, um, anybody wants to get get at you, your Instagram handle is Ten Foot Doug, right? Yep, Ten Foot Doug. Ten Foot Doug, and I'm sure they can look you up on Facebook as well. So, uh, but yeah, you know, we got uh, we we got you. We got you out here on the podcast, and, man, I, I appreciate everything. So I look forward to uh, seeing you at the next event, brother. I appreciate it. You too. Thank you. Thank you very much for documenting all this stuff for all the people around the world. I appreciate it. No, cool, brother. I appreciate it, man. Thanks. Hey, and and I'll, I'll see you at the next show. Sounds good, man. All right, buddy. Thanks. Later. All right.